Today on Points for Trying, we're looking at unsuccessful inventions of some highly successful people. So don't let failure stop you from chasing your dreams, whether it's running for president or making a nuclear bomb. Hey everyone, welcome back to Points for Trying. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jessica. And together we celebrate ideas and inventions that weren't successful, but are still worth remembering. First up, we'll be discussing the only U.S. president to have a patent, Abraham Lincoln. From an early age, Lincoln had an interest in all things mechanical and how they worked. He also spent much of his teenage years traveling up and down the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. The two passions came together when he witnessed riverboats get stuck on sandbars and devised a way to emancipate them. (laughs) Lincoln proposed adding a set of canvas bellows along the sides of the boat. In the likely event that it ran aground and got stuck on something, the crew would push the bellows into the water, filling them up with air and raising the boat. He even made a small model of his idea with the help of a mechanic friend and took it to Washington. In the words of Lincoln's close friend, William H. Herndon, Occasionally he would bring the model into the office, and while whittling on it would discant on its merits in the revolution it was designed to work in steamboat navigation. Although I regarded the thing as impracticable, I said nothing, probably out of respect for Lincoln's well-known reputation as a boatman. Maybe Lincoln realized his friends were just humoring him, or Maybe he had more important things to do than inventing boat gadgets. Either way, the story pretty much ends with a patent granted in 1849 and not much else. According to Mr. Herndon, The invention was never applied to any vessel so far as I ever learned, and the threatened revolution in steamboat architecture and navigation never came to pass. So, first up, Props to Mr. Lincoln's friends that knew he had a real dog shit idea. And we're like, he's a great boatman. I'll just let him do his thing. I hope we all have friends like that. But I had never heard of Lincoln being a great boatman. (laughs) That is not what he's known for, is all I'm saying. I mean, yeah, but like if you were really good at riding boats and then you became the president during one of the most influential time periods in American history, like... Would historians be like, man, that guy could ride a boat? (laughs) They say that to me when I'm sitting passenger in a car. Man, that girl can really ride in a car. (laughs) (laughs) So this one's kind of a fun invention. And I think it's at one of the museums in, in the Smithsonian collection. But it's like a regular boat with some basically accordions strapped to the side. And I guess if you run aground, you just push them into the water, which opens them up and pushes the boat up. It's like having giant swim wings on your ship. (laughs) Yes, it's it's just floaties for a boat. (laughs) Floaties to help you floaty. I'll see myself out. (laughs) Because apparently he took it to Washington while he was doing government business. And I can kind of see, you know, a young President Lincoln walking around the floor of the Senate. We're like, all right, I know we have to, like, figure out what to do with the Union, but 
Check this out, all right? Nobody's going to get stuck on sandbars anymore. This is totally going to turn the war. <laughs> His patent came way too early for that, right? Yeah, th- this, w- this, is, this was well before he became president, but he was a politician at the time. All right. Would this have actually worked? According to every modern historian, no, not at all. Like, if you have bellows on the side of a boat and push them down, you know, they'll lift the boat up. But there's no machine or mechanism to push them down. They're just attached to sticks, and whoever's in the boat has to push them. And, well, if you're familiar with Newton's laws, uh, the force it takes to actually push the bellows into the water is going to be the same force it takes to lift the boat up. So if it's heavy, there's no way people are going to be able to actually push it in. So if you were actually able to make that work, it meant that the men pushing the bellows in would have been strong enough to lift the boat on their own anyway. Yeah. Which just is implausible given how big the boat is. Right. I mean, in that case, if they were able to lift the boat up, this kind of saved them the hassle of getting out and and getting their legs wet. But they would definitely be in a situation where they could just like step out of the boat, lift the boat up and push it a few feet. And one thing that I'd like to note is, you know, these are running along the sides of a pretty long, narrow boat, and it feels like it would have to run aground in a very specific way for this to even be of any help, because if it got stuck on a sandbar sideways and they push that down, if they hit the sandbar, you're kind of back to square one. Yes, at that point, I think you probably could have just done it with sticks. If you're that stuck, you probably could have just pushed down with giant sticks, whatever you were using to push the billows down. Which I think might have been what they used to do. I feel like I saw that in an illustration of Tom Sawyer book or something. Maybe the sandbars in the Mississippi River are really long and skinny, so they're like constantly just like running aground and have water on either sides of them, but like that's not always how it happens. Like the Suez Canal, where it was essentially... Its nose got stuck. And I see zero billows at the nose of the ship. That's called the bow, by the way. The front of the ship. No, we're calling it the nose. I would love to see the enormous size of bellows that would have to lift the Ever Given out of the Suez Canal. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Like, I'm pretty sure they would just be strapping two Hindenburgs to the side of a container ship and, like, trying to push them into the water. (laughs) Do you think that they would have just put them in the bow of the ship on the Suez Canal and and pushed it backwards that way? Because you wouldn't want to put more on the stern of the ship on the back of it and push it further into the sand that would defeat the purpose. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, if something ran aground where it, like, it had shallow water on all sides of it, you push the bellows down, and if the bellows get stuck in the sand, nothing's going to happen. So, like, you need to be very, very specifically grounded on a sandbar that's only the size of the boat so that you have enough space for the bellows to go down. How did they fill the bellows with air? I think there's, like, a hole in the top where if you just, you know, like an accordion, you just push the bottom down and it fills up from the top. I don't know. I mean, it's creative. So when we get back to doing the points, I'm going to give him at least one for creativity. <laughs> I think as far as potential improvements, maybe something that was motorized or like somebody turned a screw or a lever to like force things into the water. Because maybe it is useful to like have a way 
of raising a boat up a little bit temporarily. Like you're going into shallow water. So you like force these things down. But my other thing is maybe you could just make a wider boat in general. I think the concept works for potentially getting yourself unstuck. I'm just thinking back to all the canoe and kayak trips that I've taken where you got stuck on a rock, like say on your right hand side. So then you lean to the left so that you release the pressure and you can bounce forward. So I see where the concept is coming from. And I think that if you can make it machine powered so that you're not just using the sheer force of one or two or three or four men and their arms and actually utilizing some sort of physics <laughs> to make it work better could work yeah yeah maybe like a bit like a motorized hull that just like widens the boat when it needs to be higher up in the water and then like it squeezes back in like the whole thing's an accordion that can just go in and out <laughs> probably a terrible idea I don't know how strong that would be, but, you know, we could we could work on it. We can workshop this. I mean, as long as there's no waves or anything like that, it, it might hold up pretty well. <laughs> there's no waves in the ocean, right? None. I've never seen a one. So, Lincoln, better politician than an inventor. But what about somebody smarter? Maybe, say, Einstein? What's he got for us? I mean, someone as smart as him probably never made a, a goofy mistake, right? Today's episode is brought to you by Famous People. Do you wish you had mo' money, mo' problems? Join our Famous People Club. For the low, low price of $1 million a month, you too can rub elbows with people who look pretty and smell good. Famous People. Probably not the people you want designing your boats. So we've talked about how U.S. presidents are probably not the greatest inventors, but what about like science guys, like physicists? You know, they're pretty good at, at science. I'm sure they could invent stuff, right? Absolutely. Do you mean someone like Einstein? I mean, anything he thinks up must be great, right? He is smart. Einstein is perhaps most famous for his E equals MC squared equation and maybe the crazy hair. But he took a short break from inventing modern physics to dabble in airplane design. Before we talk about his idea, we need to understand some basic mechanics of flight. One of the ways that wings generate lift is by creating a low pressure zone on the top surface and an area of high pressure on the bottom surface. Since faster moving air has a lower pressure, most wings are shaped so they cause the air to move faster along the top than on the bottom. According to most science textbooks, this is achieved by making the top of the wing curved, which forces the air to go a longer distance than over the flat bottom and therefore speeds it up. So that kind of makes sense, right? This is why I didn't join the Air Force. I didn't understand the science of flight. <laughs> that would have meant a really fun scene in Top Gun to see Maverick in a, a college aerodynamics course. <laughs> I feel the need for laminar flow across streamlined bodies, generating differential pressures. That would have made for a much less cool line in the movie. <laughs> so, I mean, you can kind of understand, well, okay, the, the air on the top has farther to go, so it has to go faster. 
and when it goes faster, it has a lower pressure. So the higher pressure on the bottom of the wing is going to push it up, right? I mean, that's that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, too bad because it's not true. It turns out the physics of how air actually moves around wings is super complicated and even today isn't completely understood. But don't feel bad. Albert Einstein didn't understand it either. His wing design was basically a regular wing with a Toblerone stuck to it, earning the nickname the Cat's Back Airfoil for its resemblance to the arched back of a hissing cat. And this is where I have a real problem with it, because it does not look like a cat. Not a very scared cat. (laughs) Looks like a slug. I'd say it's more of an inching worm or something, but it's a regular wing with a triangle part in the middle, so the wing kind of slants up, slants down, and uh, instead of being all smooth like the ones you see in real airplanes. Looks like a mountain range. (laughs) Like a Toblerone mountain range. Did this airfoil just attach to the top of the already designed wing, or did he mean for it to go underneath and push the wing up? So this was going to be the wing. You know, this would be the shape of wings that he envisioned would work better than the state of the art at the time which admittedly was, you know, far, far behind what we think of as airplanes now. But even then, this was not a a great idea. It looks like it wouldn't be sturdy. looks like a weird boomerang where the back part of the boomerang just kind of peters out and smooshes down like you smashed it against the ground and it it got flat towards the end. It's a very interesting-looking thin wing. But when you throw a boomerang... It comes back, so maybe if you take off in a boomerang-shaped airplane, you'll land. You'll come back to Earth. That's where they got the thought process from, I'm sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) Einstein actually convinced someone to build a set of full-scale wings and attach them to a World War I biplane, but the results were less than stellar. The pilot described the airplane's handling as something akin to the flight of a pregnant duck, and after landing, said that he was overjoyed to find himself on firm ground and still in one piece. (laughs) We can certainly say something good about the design in that it did not kill any test pilots. Huzzah. And you know, sometimes you just need a win. And nobody died trying out my invention. If that's the win you need for the day, that's a win. And I'm sure that is the win that the pilot was incredibly grateful to get. Also, how would a pregnant duck fly? (laughs) Maybe he just saw some uh, obese ducks flying one day and he thought that they were pregnant. Maybe he didn't understand biology. All right, correct me if I'm wrong. Einstein was a physicist, right? Yes, not the kind of physicist that works with aerodynamics, but yes, a physicist. It feels like maybe he should have understood the math better. To be fair, not all of the math that we know today was known at the time. But also, to be unfair, there were people that understood how to design wings better than Einstein did. I mean, listen, I I don't mean to throw shade on someone who was way smarter than I am, but but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. It just seems like if you know that this isn't your real house, you should stick to your real house. That's something we can learn today. Just because you're good at one topic, you're not good at all of them. You hear that, everybody listening? We're not good at everything. (laughs) Even if your mama told you that you were. 
I'm kind of imagining this when, you know, he tried out this plane. He was already a well-known physicist at the time. People knew he was smart. Do you think when the plane took off, people saw it handling terribly, and then it landed, and everybody knew, you know, this thing doesn't work the way he thought it does? Do you think somebody turned around and said, huh, nice one, Einstein? (laughs) And then he just went, but that's my real name. Do you think that was a phrase already back then? Because that would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is when it started. Like, he had just been knocking it out of the park until this. And then somebody was like, great going, Einstein. Somebody was like, that's got a nice ring to it. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually when his hair started to get messed up. It was from him riding in the airplanes. Oh, shit. Yeah, he (laughs) he was riding in the back. And when people asked why he didn't just comb his hair, he would look really sullen and stare into the middle distance and say, this is a reminder. (laughs) A reminder of my limitations. (laughs) So I think in this episode especially, we really need to admit our limitations. So when we're talking about potential improvements, mine is leave it to the experts. I think that's a pretty good thing for all of us to learn from this. Leave it to the experts. You want to do electrical work on your own house? Nah, leave it to the experts. (laughs) Yes. And airplane wings seem kind of hard. Do you know those winglets, the little tips that point up on commercial airliners? I do. So Boeing spent like 15 years developing those, and they're not even 100% done making those. So like just the tip of the wing took that long. We're not going to figure any improvements out right now. We're just going to leave it to the people that know how to do that. Agreed. And Einstein should have done that too. Although I can see where it would have been fun for him to dabble in a different area for a little bit. But yeah, by and large... Let the uh, the experts design the planes. Yeah. You think that was his version of Michael Jordan getting into baseball? <laughs> Absolutely. That is exactly what that was. <laughs> All right. Well. It's that time again. Do these get points for trying? I think Lincoln's boat gets a point for proving that he had some pretty great friends that knew he was excited about something, knew it wasn't going to work, but said, Abe show that boat model to everyone in Washington because we know you love it. And we all deserve friends like Lincoln's. We should be so lucky. It also gets a point because this is something we still deal with. Boats still run aground and sometimes they cause a worldwide supply chain issue. And if only Lincoln stuck to his engineering prowess instead of trying to become a politician, maybe we'd have boats that never get stuck. Maybe the Suez Canal issue would have been done much quicker. (laughs) There's an alternate history where Abraham Lincoln became a maritime engineer, and we've just got canals everywhere, and all boats last a hundred years and never break down. (laughs) So for me, Lincoln gets a point for being the only president who has a patent, and it also gets a point for being something that if there was an extra mechanical added to it to push it down with more than just the weight of a man's arms, it could have potentially worked. So, two points for me. Moving on from presidents to scientists, how about Einstein? I think Einstein, or whoever named his invention, 
gets minus one point for uh, not knowing what cats look like. Calling it the cat's back airfoil is crazy. My cat arches his back all the time, and he's never looked like that. But then it earns a point for giving me an excuse to talk about my cat, which I love. So uh, I guess it's a draw. (laughs) Well, for me, he does get a point for trying to utilize his science to improve something else. So it's not really a point for creativity, but rather for his tinkering around with science. But like you, I have to subtract a point because he was a scientist and he probably had other friends who worked in this field of science and he didn't bother to talk to them to see what was what with the math of it all. So I don't know about that. Uh, But he does get an extra point for convincing someone to make a prototype and furthermore, convincing them to put their life in jeopardy to fly said prototype. Well, are you going to tell Albert Einstein that his idea sucks? No. One of the articles talking about the Einstein airfoil describes it thusly, Albert Einstein's airfoil. It had no aerodynamic virtues. (laughs) But on a more serious note, both Lincoln himself and Einstein himself get five points for being curious about how the world works and trying to put their ideas into practice, which we very much encourage. Here, here. Well, with that last minute addition of five points each, Lincoln is sitting at eight points. I think that might be a points for trying all time high. Oh, boy. And Einstein is sitting at six points which I think is a points for trying all-time second place. So the bottom line is Lincoln still wins, but we love both these guys. Good job, guys. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, if at first you don't succeed, tell us about it.